0: Welcome to another edition of Theological Ramblings presented by Trinity Lutheran Church. It's time to ramble.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Theological Ramblings, the podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Brilliant, Wisconsin. It's been a while since we've put out something new, so here is our attempt at fixing that. My name is Pastor Ross Henze, one of the pastors here at Trinity. We also have Pastor Thomas Fricky. Hi, I'm happy to be here. And our principal, Mr. David Nittle. Hello. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about Jesus, the Son of God and Savior of the world. We believe that Jesus came into the world, became human, lived a perfect life, and then freely and willingly gave up his life in payment for our sins. But Jesus didn't stop there. Three days later, on Easter morning, he rose from the grave, proving himself to be the Son of God and Savior of the world. Now, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone who believes in Jesus to be their Lord and Savior have the assurance that their sins are forgiven and that one day heaven will be their home. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what we believe. This is what we know. This is what we believe to be true. But, have you ever wondered, why did Jesus have to come to earth? Why did he have to become human? Why did he have to suffer and die? Why didn't he just snap his fingers in heaven and declare us all to be saved? All good questions. Let's get into it. Pastor Fricky, can you provide the answers to the questions I just mentioned? Can, can you explain why Jesus had to come to earth, why he had to become human, and why he had to suffer and die? Uh, it's a good question, and, and it has a very, very simple
2: answer. The simple answer to the question is sin. Our problem is sin to be with God. We need to be perfect, and the fact of the matter is we're not, and that is a problem. So Jesus came to take our place under God's law, and he became our substitute. He offered his life to remove the guilt of our sins, and this is the reason that he came into this world.
1: Okay, thank you very much. So I'm going to ask Dave, is that really true? Uh, Does God still demand human beings be perfect? And if that's true, then how can we ever be saved? Well, it's absolutely still true. God's
0: commands to people at the time of the Bible, that the time the Bible was written, are still true for us today. God says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. By ourselves, we just simply can't do that because of sin, like Pastor Frickie mentioned. But through Jesus, we can be holy.
1: Yeah, we can't do it on our own. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why we needed him to become human. That's why he needed to come to earth. Because God said human beings must be perfect, and that's the problem. We're not. Okay, so it all goes back to creation and how God originally created the world. Adam and Eve's sin, the perfect bond between God and man, was broken. Recognizing man's inability to be perfect, God sent his Son to be perfect in our place. Can you share some Bible passages that prove this Prove this point, Pastor Fricke?
2: Yeah, I think it's all over in the New Testament scriptures, particularly in the writings of Paul. In Galatians, he says that when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. This is Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons, or the adoption to sonship. So what Paul is explaining there is that uh, God had a plan, and his plan was to send Jesus Christ, his son, into the the world to take our place. Uh, Romans chapter 5, Paul makes this comment, this is interesting just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, in other words, as through the disobedience of Adam, sin passed to all of us who are born into this world, so through the obedience of the one man, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. And another passage that I think about, in the same connection, is in John chapter 1, verse 29, uh, 29 where John the Baptist makes the comment, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's basically pointing to all of the Old Testament blood sacrifices that were made again and again, day after day, week after week, year after year, to demonstrate to God's Old Testament believers that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And Jesus Christ came to be that sacrificial uh, Lamb of God that would remove the guilt of our sin.
1: Thank you, Pastor Fricky, for that. I, I And I, I agree with you what Paul just, throughout the New Testament, begins to point that out. The one passage that I know I think a lot about is that 2 Corinthians 5.21, where God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So isn't that amazing? It just goes on in Scripture and points out that very fact that God still demands perfection, we can't do it, so God provided a savior who could carry that out and do that in our place. So, what does that tell you about our God, Dave? What what does that emphasize about him?
0: Well, it tells me two things. It tells me God plays by his own rules. You know, sin has to be satisfied, there has to be payment for sin. But it also tells me that God wants everyone to be saved so much, that he sacrificed his own son to make it happen.
1: Yeah, isn't that amazing? He, he loved us enough to send his own son to give his life in our place. Just amazing. Uh, thank you, Dave. One of, the, one of the titles given to Jesus is that of Redeemer. Can you explain what that means, Tom? Well, it, it, the basic
2: meaning of the word redeem is to buy back and that uh, purchase price that was paid was the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Uh, He had to buy us back from a slavery, a kind of slavery to sin and to death and to the devil. Uh, Luther explains that very well in his explanation to the second article that he's redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood, with his innocent suffering and death.
1: I, I kind of I kind of explain it a little bit this way as if and, and I've done this in confirmation classes, if uh, you're waiting for your boyfriend to give you that perfect gift and he gives you a blaze orange hunting jacket that's fifty eight double X, it may not be what you wanted for Valentine's Day. So you're going to take it back to Fleet Farm, and Fleet Farm will redeem that jacket, which means they will buy it back. So you, you get the money back in exchange. So that's, that's really what Jesus did for us. Perfection demanded, we can't do it, so he came to do it in our place. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Now, exactly how did Jesus do this? Because he certainly didn't go to Fleet Farm to to buy us back, Dave. How how did Jesus go about redeeming us? Well, there's a couple parts to it. Uh,
0: First, Jesus came to earth and he lived a perfect life in our place to satisfy God's law. Every single one of God's commandments, every single one of God's laws, Jesus kept perfectly during his life and then he died in our place to take that punishment that should have been ours on himself when he
1: died on the cross. Thank you. I think that explains that really quite well. I appreciate that. Um, Another question. Lutherans often speak of the steps that Jesus took to redeem us. We say that he humbled himself. Uh, Tom, can you explain what is meant by that?
2: Yeah, uh, he he humbled himself, he, he became one of us, basically is what we're talking about here. He became a human being. Uh, though he was 100% true God, he was a human being entirely at exactly the same time. So the, the Creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed talks about this. Jesus was conceived and born, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He's true God, conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, but also true man born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, he comes into this world to become one of us. And then it continues. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, he died, and he was buried. It's not, uh, this is a progression, I guess, in, in time of the kinds of things that happened with Jesus throughout his life. Uh, but in each case, he he has humbled himself To take on our identity so that he might be able to be in a position to be our substitute here in this world.
1: But you said he was still God at the same time, right? So then what happened to his glory and to his power and, and things like that while he was here on this earth? He kept his glory and his power hidden while he was here on earth. He had it the whole time.
2: Uh, you can see some flashes of it from time to time in the miracles that he performed, even in the words that he spoke. And yet uh, he kept that under wraps, so to speak, while he was here in this world. He always possessed it, never gave it up, uh, but he chose not to make use of his power and glorious
1: God at all times. So like his miracles or like the transfiguration or things like that where we got little glimpses... Of his power and his glory uh, he didn't he didn't uh, it's not that it wasn't there he just like you say he just kind of put it off to the side uh, for a period of time while he came to humble himself and save us uh, once again uh, we maybe we should find a Bible passage that talks about how Jesus did humble himself just to kind of help Reiterate that very same point. Dave, can you think of a passage or two that talks about Jesus humbling himself?
0: There's a great passage in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 8. That's kind of one of those nutshell passages where it, it's a, a very concise explanation of what we need to know about this. Philippians, in Philippians, Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So that talks about his humiliation uh, and and what he did, setting aside his glory for us and taking on that punishment for us. And Paul also writes to the Corinthians in Second uh, Corinthians eight verse nine. He said, "For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich." That's that great exchange we always talk about, right? Christ's righteousness for our sin.
1: Uh, I, I just thought of another question along those very same lines. Maybe you, uh, either one of you or both of you, could provide a little bit of. Uh, explanation when when I initially hear about the humiliation of Christ when I think of humiliation I've been humiliated a million times um, you know when you're you you miss the free throw to win the game and you end up losing the game and you're humiliated or you drop the ball or whatever the case may be so are we saying that when Jesus humbled himself, his humiliation, are are we really talking about him being embarrassed like like I, you know, and all of us have been embarrassed so many times? What, what That can't possibly be what we're talking about, is it? You're talking about uh, humiliation
2: in the sense of shame and I think that uh, Jesus did take some of, uh, to a certain extent, you could say that his humiliation included taking our shame upon himself but it's more than that it runs deeper he took our guilt upon himself not just the feeling of something embarrassing but he took upon ourself the the the, the very cause of all of it uh, uh, at the very core the guilt of our sin is what he took upon himself in his humiliation he humbled himself to become just like one of us to be a, Uh, not just a human being like us, but also to take our sin upon himself as well.
1: And it wasn't, it's not like he was embarrassed, he actually, this is what he came to do. Like, you know, he didn't want to miss the free throw, that's the last thing you wanted, but when he came down here to earth to be our Savior, this, this was not him being embarrassed. This was him fulfilling what he came here to do. That's what it took to save you and me. It was
2: his intent to take all of this upon himself, exactly.
0: And the truly miraculous thing is what he set aside to do that, right? He set aside the glory of heaven to come to earth and to take that on
1: for us. And to think he did that for you, Yeah, and he did it for me. Isn't Isn't that amazing? So... All right, on the basis then of what Jesus did for us, the fact that he came to be perfect, he came to redeem us, because he did all of those things, God the Father has now declared us to be justified. Well, that sounds like a technical term. What exactly does that mean? Tom? He declares us to be not guilty is really what
2: justification is all about. It's a courtroom term. And it uh, basically means that uh, we have the verdict uh, that we are pronounced not guilty. It's not that we are truly not guilty. We we really are. We're, we're sinful human beings. We've been guilty of sin. But uh, we have this dec- declaration that we don't have to pay the price of that sin. Jesus Christ paid the price for us already. And therefore, the judge is able to say there is no punishment here not guilty is the verdict.
1: Okay, so would you agree or disagree with this statement? The doctrine of justification by faith is what makes Lutherans different from other denominations. Would you agree or disagree?
0: I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I am, you know, in today's society in terms of religion one of the most common things you hear is that it doesn't really matter what church you go to you know as long as you're faithful and go to church as long as you are sincere about it but when you look at what those churches actually believe and teach the Lutheran Church is different from other Christian denominations because the doctrine of justification which is a central tenet to what we believe tells us that we're declared righteous by God without having to contribute anything Uh, even to the point of making decisions uh, that we make. God did it all, 100% for us.
1: So what about, you know, my good works? Don't they play a role in my salvation? You know, isn't that what good Christians do? We do good works, uh, and do we do them in order to uh, appease God or to earn uh, his righteousness, or... Do we, you know, we come to church, we put an offering in the plate, we help uh uh someone across the road, we help carry in someone's groceries in you know, from their car into their house because they can't do it by themselves. Those those kind of things, don't those things kind of help us a little way towards salvation? The good works that
2: God wants us to do, the 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 works that we do Uh, for our Lord are important for us to be doing, but they in no way contribute One bit to our everlasting salvation. It's all been done by Jesus Christ So I my mind goes back to the time when when Paul and Silas were in Philippi and the Philippian jailer Asked in a moment of crisis. What must I do to be saved? What do I what do I need to do? And they say believe Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, hand it all over to him. Trust in him. And that's basically not doing anything. You're you're not contributing toward your salvation. You're allowing Jesus Christ simply to be your Savior and do it all for you. The wonderful thing about this is that once that happens, um, you recognized how... How wonderful that is because your confidence in Jesus Christ and what he has done can be absolutely complete. Uh, if there was some little bit that I needed to do to contribute to my salvation, a little part, a little slice of the pie that I need to add in order to to do my part, then the, my eternal salvation would always be up in the air. I'd never be quite sure whether I am going to be with my Savior. Uh, one day. But because it's entirely Jesus doing, and all I do is accept the gift that he's given to me, uh, that's that makes it sure. That makes it certain. That means I can be absolutely confident that I will one day be with my Lord. And that's a real blessing to have that kind of assurance.
1: All right. So let, let's try to put this together. So God said human beings have to be perfect. We're not perfect. Jesus came to earth. He became human. He lived the perfect life in our place. He gave up his life in payment for our sins. And God the Father has now declared us to be justified. He's declared us not guilty of our sins. So it comes back that, all right, I recognize what it is that Jesus has done. Then how do I know? How do I know for a fact? How do I have confidence that I'm going to get to heaven. You know, is it, is it you know, what is that, what is that based on? Is it, is it based on what?
0: Well, I teach math, so it helps me to think of it in the terms of equations. Um, I think by nature, we like to think that faith plus good works equals salvation. That just makes sense to us. Right. God does his part. I do my part. I get to heaven. Right. But the correct equation there really is salvation plus faith equals those good works that we're going to produce. Good works are a byproduct of our salvation, not a contributor toward it. It's only through what Jesus did. Like
1: Pastor Fricky said, complete
0: payment was given by Jesus.
1: So... I, I guess what we're really trying to emphasize is that I'm saved, even though I don't deserve it because I'm a sinner. I'm saved by God's undeserved love for me by faith. Correct? It's my faith in Jesus as my Savior. That's what the jailer at Philippi was told. Believe and you will be saved. So we believe that we are saved by grace through faith. But I know there is got to be... Someone who might think that there has to be something, you know, you don't get something for free in this world. There, you know, I just got my oil changed yesterday and it wasn't free. You know, I had to pay for it. So, all right, so that's just our, that's how our world works. So if there's something that, uh, there's got to be something that we must do to participate in or contribute to our own salvation, but if that was really true, then what is that really saying, Dave?
0: Well, it's saying Jesus didn't do enough. He didn't go far enough. His sacrifice for our sins was incomplete. And that's totally goes against everything that we read in Scripture.
1: Yeah, so if I think that what I do somehow contributes in some way, shape, or form to my own salvation, because that's how the human mind works. I guess, if you sit back, aren't we really saying Jesus didn't do enough? And that he actually needed me. He needed my help in order to be saved.
2: It's entirely a free gift. God loves to give this gift. And uh, if I want to contribute something toward that gift, it's no longer a gift of God. It becomes something that I've earned. And, uh, no, this is is a, a free gift of salvation that our Savior is one for us. And he just wants us to be happy and to rejoice in the
1: give, uh, the giver of uh, the Lord. So if you decided to uh, gift your wife a dozen roses just because you're a nice guy, and then uh, she opens up these dozen roses and she thinks you're the greatest thing, thank you so much, and then you come back and you tell her, by the way, you owe me $55.00. You better duck because those flowers right. might be coming through the air. Yeah. That's not a gift, right? So salvation is a gift. Can you think? Any, is there a Bible passage out there that talks about faith being a gift? Uh, the Ephesians passage. Uh, do you guys know that one? It is by grace that you have been saved
2: through faith. It's not
1: from yourselves. It is a gift,
2: gift of God. God.
1: Yeah, it is a gift of God, because if it's something that I participate in, if it's something that I contribute to, then it's no longer a gift, right? Right. And and how can I, as a sinful human being, ever do that to the level that God wants, which is perfection, and I'm not there? And God recognizes that, and so he then gives this salvation to us, is a gift and that gift is ours by grace through faith now does everybody get that gift though
0: Dave oh well yes everybody who has faith in Jesus as their Savior gets that gift that salvation is free for everybody but I think we've said that several times today we receive it through faith
2: what that does for us is it's kind of a wonderful thing that our savior has done everything for us um, uh, it excludes any kind of boasting right uh, numerous times not just in that ephesians passage so so that no one can boast paul says there but numerous times in the new testament paul says there is no room for boasting in in a christian's heart or life if i'm going to boast he says i'm going to boast in jesus christ my savior so it excludes boasting but it also gives us absolute certain confidence that, that we know that we're going to be with our Lord one day in heaven. And that's the, the, the beautiful thing about it being all our Savior's
0: doing. And even that faith that we have through which we receive that salvation, we don't do anything that's given to us by the Holy Spirit. It You, you can't get a more complete definition of 100% than what God does for us to give us salvation. Being
1: the math teacher, you would... <laughs> Think of that, Dave. Yes. <laughs> so salvation is offered to everybody, and it's it, the problem is, is not everyone believes. Uh, there are people who reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or they don't believe that uh, He is the way to heaven, and, and they might think that there is another way to get there outside of Him. And so while Jesus suffered and died for everybody, and that gift of salvation is offered to all, it's, offered, it's received, I should say, received by all those who believe, all those who have faith. So Jesus, in summary, Jesus came into this world to fulfill his Father's plan of salvation. God said human beings must be perfect. Try as hard as we might, we can't. So Jesus came to earth, became human, lived the perfect life we never could. Then God the Father punished his son instead of you and me. Now by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, everyone who believes in Jesus to be their Lord and Savior are declared to be justified. Our sins are gone. We are made to be perfect once more in God's sight. Salvation is an amazing gift of God. This gift becomes ours by grace through faith. Please join us next time as we take up the topic of baptism. Have a good day.